and this is the Expanded Universe Comlink, your home for responses to all things Star Wars Legends. And as you hear, we are joined once again by Fletch. Hello, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. I woke up. Yes, yeah, we we, uh, we, <laughs> we managed to drag ourselves out of our recumbent positions to record a podcast. Both of us binging things that hurt us. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Uh, but so instead of doing that, we're going to talk about Star Wars, and specifically, we're going to talk about Vector Prime. We're going to do some responses. We're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about the audiobook because both of us have uh, experienced that. So on that note, why don't we get into the first response, which is from Joan at uh, Wrenchwitch on Twitter, and she says, "I have a lot of experience with the expanded universe video games, but Vector Prime was the first book I've partaken in. First off, I listened to the audiobook. The production on it was incredible." I plan on grabbing one for future books covered by the cast. I absolutely recommend experiencing one if you haven't, listeners. But into Vector Prime itself. I was aware of the use in Vong from Wikidiving. I didn't read too much, but my initial impression was that they were lame as hell. I absolutely feel that my intuition was correct. Hypermilitaristic, capable of having just about anything handy through some biological nonsense. And what the hell is the war coordinator? A super important MacGuffin of a villain. All BS. And what the hell is with Salvatore's depiction of Danny? The book keeps insisting she's so cool and important, but she doesn't do anything to back it up. It was pretty glaring to me. Stick to Driss Dord and R.A. So I love the presentation, not the story so much, but it was super short at least. Three hours for an audiobook flies by. And then she has a little, uh, she, she has, she has a little, a little dagger here at the end. Uh, and Silas ships are so stupid. So the first thing I'm going to take out of that, and I know we we're coming back to this, three hours for an audiobook is ludicrous for this novel. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> this book is like 400 pages long, and the audiobook is three hours. Yeah. Uh, for for comparison's sake, um, this is uh, reaching a little bit ahead, but I don't, we're not going to discuss specifics. Uh, I listened to the Revenge of the Sith audiobook, and it is 13 hours long. And that was only about 300-ish pages from memory, right? Yeah, it's it's like 300, 350 pages. Yeah. Uh, but it is... Uh, so the difference is, is that the... Uh, Vector Prime audiobook is abridged, whereas the Revenge of the Sith audio audiobook is unabridged. And so you actually listened to the whole one. I only listened to the first chunk of it because I was curious about the production values. And she's right; they are quite good. They have a good cast for that. Yeah, it's um. This is this is a thing that even with uh now now that I've listened to also the Revenge of the Sith audiobook, like it seems like the Star Wars audiobooks just have really really nice production values. Yeah, they feel uh, they, like they're trying to be radio plays. Yes, very much so. Um, and the uh, so <laughs> one one thing about the Vector Prime audiobook that I like, I was totally hung up on, and you listened to it, so now you can you can uh, weigh in on this. Uh, it was really weird how they like kept like uh, it felt like they were like really identified on like the Yuzen Vong being like Russian. Yeah, that accent is incredibly strange. There's no accent given in the book. No. Like, they say that their tongue is, you know, nobody can understand it yet, so it just comes out as garble. But nothing about them screamed uh, stock spy villains in the actual text. But, but that's, that's pretty much absolutely what they were in that audiobook. But there is something about where they talk. <laughs> and that, that that was, like, one thing that really stuck out to me when I was listening to that audiobook, which I uh, I also, I listened to that entire thing right before we recorded uh, the podcast for this month. Yeah, so you would be the most qualified to judge them. What all did they abridge out of it? Because you can't tell me there weren't entire plots cut for that time. 
so it was mostly like world building stuff. Um, actually, uh, uh, the, our next response gets into this a little bit as well. Okay. Uh, but it was like it was like any of the like the like world building and like character interactions. It felt like that was most of what was cut, and it really just like focused like super hard on the main like the main story thread. Gotcha. You know, I'm gonna say that probably didn't help the depiction of Danny. Yeah, I totally agreed because uh, as as someone who read the actual book, and I think you agree with this, like she's actually pretty cool. Yeah, she earns the praise she gets, and part of that is that she goes from scientist to Ripley. Yes, absolutely, and yeah, and uh, like specifically, like I can't, I I I can't say that I remember for sure uh, if she if she does have her big hero scene in the audiobook that she does in the actual book. Yeah, that would definitely sort of just make her. Man, look at this hot new thing fizzles out. <laughs> yeah, and so I did. I did a little bit of research on this because I was curious. It's like the first like six or seven of the New Jedi Order uh, are abridged for the audiobooks, and then after that they get into being unabridged. Okay, I'm absolutely using the abridged versions as my uh, refresher before we record the next one. Yeah, I think I think like reading the book itself and then refreshing yourself like in the the day or two before on with the audiobook seems totally reasonable. Yeah, it seems like a good plan. We're going to do that now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, why don't we get into some of the other stuff that she had to say. Uh, so what, I, I think I think we... I, I actually don't know if we came to a, a complete consensus on how we felt about the Yuuzhan Vong. I think, so far, they are an interesting enemy who comes up with a good way to be alien and challenging to overcome because you have the force resistance, the inorganic tech, the completely different ways of warfare that they've never seen before. What's going to keep it from being fanfic fodder or not is how do they keep that the Jedi on the back foot as things go on, or does it just become a lot of very stupid decisions made by our characters to keep them from winning? Yeah, and uh, we will see in the future what people think of that. Yeah. So far, I'm good. I'm a little bit into Dark Tide Volume 1, and it's not bad. Yeah, um, I, I know, like, uh, talking to some people, like, uh, in the lead-up to recording this episode and talking about, like, the Yuuzhan Vong, like, I know a lot of people have, may have, like, like a lot of people seem to have some pretty bad or low opinions of them. Uh, but, I, I, I don't know, I, I feel like they, like, their introduction in this book was pretty great. Like, yeah, I feel like they did, they, they did a pretty good job, like, out. yeah. And whether that keeps up is a, di- a completely different story. Yeah. Thus far, partway through the second book of 20, they're still doing good, guys. <laughs> but we've got 18 more books, so yeah. a lot of things can happen. Yeah, let's see if by book 10 I'm starting to go, oh my god, stop it with these things. That you A gravity undoer flinging planets? <laughs> Um, and then uh, for for Jones' very last uh, comment, uh, stylish ships are so stupid. I'm pretty sure I said that exact same thing on the actual podcast. I think all of us did. Here, right now, I'm just going to start flying around the model on my desk. Oh, we we. Oh, I'm sorry. I just pulled out my fucking <laughs> oh, that's 3DS. Just my pen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So stylish ships are stupid. Agreed. Totally. So why don't we move on to the next response? Do you want to do you want to read some of this? You don't have to read the whole thing since it's pretty big. Oh, I can go through this, but I figure we'll break it down bit by yeah. bit when we get to the comments. Just yeah, when we, when we get to the questions and comments, we'll do it. We'll, we'll just bounce, bounce those back and forth. So, Chris, at Worm with Y on Twitter, 
sent us this message. Vector Prime. Revisiting this was a weird one. I was a ways into it and thinking it was a lot shorter than I remembered, before I realized at least some of the audiobooks recorded for this series are abridged versions that cut half to two-thirds of the text. I would absolutely not recommend consuming this novel in that format. What's here to really recommend the novels in the flavor and character beats that get cut, leaving an absurdly bare-bones and familiar alien invasion story. Yeah, which is pretty much what we just said. And, yeah, I, I second that highly. If you're only getting the skeleton of this story, yeah, all the important bits are, holy crap, we're all dying. <laughs> At least in the first one. Speaking yeah, of, we're all dying. Speaking of deaths, yes. Question number one. The death of Chewbacca in this one was often cited as ridiculous and stupid for years. What the heck was that about? It's a little melodramatic, and maybe something can be said for not killing beloved children's characters, but I've always thought it was as good a way of any to make their point about the main cast being vulnerable after this invasion. I I agree. I said in the episode, I think it's an extremely metal death and one of the best ways to take out a character I can think of. Yeah, and I mean, you can. It, it, this is definitely like something that that I've that I've I've also heard like people cite this as being really, really, really stupid, and like like we talked about in the actual episode, uh, this really affected me as a younger person, and like it's still it's still like intense and sad. Like it sucks to like see Han Solo like watch his friend die. Yeah, it sticks around for about half the book. It has him screaming at his son, and it's. Only when he sees someone else about to lose one of their loved ones, he realizes, oh, shit. It's, it's a yeah, good little I mean, mini-arc for the back half of the book. Yeah, and it also, like, fundamentally changes, like, Han Solo as a character, like, to not have Chewbacca around. Yeah, it's true. It breaks him feeling like, yeah, we're all gonna be okay. That's the whole final bit of the book. Yeah. So, if you think that the death of Chewbacca was stupid, uh, I agree from an emotional level, but from a storytelling and uh and lore level like is totally like it's it it, it, it is earned it is 100 percent earned it was handled very well with follow-through correct so yeah moving on to the second uh question uh the way i read this series luke had just proposed to mara jade in vision of the future officially graduating her to main cast status then i pick up the next novel and she's been crippled by space plague a little fridgy isn't it i wanted her and luke to be a cool spouse team for at least a little while Wait, the prior novel is just they they spend no time running around as a couple before this? Uh I, I think I, I can't remember if this if it is literally like Vision of the Future moves directly into the New Jedi Order. Um and I didn't do research on that, but yeah, I, I think he I think he's partially correct at least. That's hilarious in a sick sort of way. Because <laughs> yeah, I said is, I said it, that def came it definitely does feel a little friggy for sure. Wildly out of left field in the first few pages. Hi, I'm Mara Jade. Oh no, cancer! But it's man, that is even more abrupt than I knew. Yeah, but I mean, it, it, it's definitely like like to play like I guess like devil's advocate or to like defend it a little bit. Like I feel like the space plague and uh, the the crippling with space plague and. uh Mara Jade's fight with that like is less like it is less to make Luke more of a character like to give him motivation and more to just like like this this is like her own fight like this is something that she is fighting oh yeah I'm not I'm not crapping on that or saying it's frigid it's just it's even more hilariously jarring with that context because as I mentioned I, it's the first thing you learn in the novel it's like whoa what yeah <laughs> 
point three. The Vong's hatred of technology is hypocritically dumb, right? Their stuff isn't just not technology because it's not made out of metal, they still designed and engineered that stuff. I haven't read the whole series, maybe someone points this out. It seems really obvious. I will go into this a little because of some of the stuff that we've learned outside of the novels. Uh, when you find out why they have their horrible aversion to droids, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's not um, they hate technology, it's fuck those metal machine men. <laughs> Should we okay, go into so, that? Uh, yeah, your call. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Um, I, I, I was doing some research uh, gotcha. while, while you were answering that. Uh, it is not, it does not go directly from uh, the Hand of Thrawn to uh, to New, New Jedi Order. There are about six years between between those two. Okay, so there were other books doing books. things. Gotcha. Yes, cool. So th- th- there's definitely some. I, I think it seems like most of the uh, most of the books in between those two were uh, were like focused more on the the solo kids. So we didn't necessarily get a whole lot of Luke and uh, Mara Jade, but there were other things happening in between. It wasn't like they got married and then she was in- immediately inflicted with space plague. Okay, that's cool. <clears throat> so yeah, um, I agree with what you said about the Vong's hatred of technology. Yeah, do we want to spoil that for people since it's just kind of a quick detail? Uh, yeah, go ahead. So the galaxy that the Vong came from basically had two races of sentient machines around. One was a very orderly clockwork men kind of thing. The other were sprawling city-sized behemoths taking up every bit of resources they could to upgrade and improve themselves. Obviously, these two come into a war, and neither side gave a shit about organics at any point during this conflict. Yeah. So, after... I forget what tips the balance, but basically one side is weakened or crushed, and the Vong start leading a rebellion to just mop up the rest of them after this whole conflict. Mm -hmm. And that is what starts their path to being the warlike beings that we get... Because they're like, nope, nope, fuck it. If it's got a metal shell, kill it, kill it. It does not deserve to live. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it, it's definitely something that we'll get more into. But, I mean, we also have to we have to look at it from the perspective of of this is this is how they are shown in this book. Like, this is what, what we have of them right now. That's true. Right now, and it does kind of make the whole, yes, yes, gleefully watching the droids suffer thing a lot more clear. It's not just this guy's a prick. It's like, these were our horrible masters for so long. Yes, and now that they are finally out from under that thumb, they will never... They're rebelling in the way that they can. I just realized they're kind of doing the Butlerian Jihad. You're going to have to explain that one for me. Okay, so a huge part of the backstory of Dune is that... At some point in the past, we had machines who became servants, who became smarter than us and our masters, and there was an event that was just called the Butlerian Jihad, where we crushed every thinking machine. And so it's a huge part of Dune's backstory that you can have some technology, you could, but there shall never be another thinking machine. Anything sentient yes. must okay. die. Yeah, okay, I gotcha. 
And that's why you have stuff like the Mentats, human computers. Mm -hmm. Um, There's some technology that comes later in the series that is a horrible hybrid of people with metal and things. So on. Yeah, I've, uh, I'm going to make a confession. I've never read any of the books uh, in the Dune series except for the first one, and I've only seen the movie once. That's okay. I'm not going to hold it against you, but I will but, say maybe there's a project coming up that will involve a lot of Dune. Yeah, well, perhaps I will potentially be involved in this project in some way. Perhaps. I yeah, why don't we move on to the next response then? Or the next say, question this is your uh, from Chris. Uh, this is uh, question four. Is the portrayal of the Yuuzhan Vong a little racist for lack of a better word between ritual scarification which is a real thing and preference for natural techniques over technology technological solutions which is less less culturally specific but still sort of a real thing the things they choose to show the vong as a terrifying quote other are a little troubling uh yeah i think i could definitely i, I could definitely agree with that like especially like the 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 othering of the vong which i mean like they they absolutely are like in this book like can definitely can definitely be seen from that perspective. Yeah. The other thing is that a lot of stuff in Vector Prime that was supposed to be character beats. I was reading about this and how the whole series came about because I'm trying not to spoil myself, but some of these details are great. I love behind the scenes stuff. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Is Salvatore said he wrote one character to be the sort of masochistic, ah, yes, pain, this is for the gods, and other writers took that and ran with it as a cultural thing, not this dude is fucked up. And mm-hmm. so what he thought was just making this character stand out a little as being not right in the head for a villain was, oh, shit, we just made a whole populace of these. Yeah. So it's, um, it's kind of an interesting setup that way, that there was a whole council going into writing the story beats on this, but then a lot of the details were left for individual authors. Yeah, um, and it, it's definitely like, it, fr- from the council, it definitely feels like it, it kind of just evolved into like all of these authors kind of doing what they wanted. Yeah, uh, there's definitely a radical shift in the next one in terms of how we portray things. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, so uh, move on to the last question. Yeah, one second. And finally, the entire premise of having a long-running Star Wars story focused on fighting an external threat seems kind of like shaky ground to me. Star Wars as a fictional universe is built to tell stories about threats and temptations from interior sources. The characters are generally under threat from fascism or anarchy, and the fact that the pull of those things also comes from inside a person is what the entire light-side-dark-side dynamic is designed to dramatize. So does the framing of the Vong as an unknowable threat, including being outside the Force, kind of undermine the premise that Star Wars stories are built on? Barring that, they're all essentially violent religious zealots. It's not really an unknowable motivation at all, so maybe one of the next 19 books addresses this? Um, without getting into too many spoilers, it absolutely does address this. Uh, yeah, the few things I know suggest that they're aware of this. Yeah, and it is, um, I don't want to, yeah, like, I I really don't want to spoil too much. Like, as as long as this series is going to take us to complete, uh, there's definitely, like, that. They, they are not as outside as they seem initially. It's, yeah, we're going to get into a little more of that, and I think that's part of what the next duology is meant to set up. Yeah, for sure. So... 
there there is going to be some addressing of this but you have a very good point about the whole light side dark side the pull of the internal versus an external threat and it's very interesting to see that thus far that's where the movies are sticking with heavily from everything yeah because i was gonna say like that's entirely what the whole skywalker saga is about yeah is about the internal the internal drama between the light side and the dark side so yeah, uh, it seems that Star Wars agrees more with you for now, but we'll also see what they do because I'm not 100% familiar with where Rebels currently is. Me neither. I I, I think I've said this multiple times, but I, be, I keep meaning to watch that show and I just haven't gotten around to it. <laughs> and hey guys, George Lucas is totally going to do that CW live action show any day now that they've been promising since 2000. <laughs> well, I don't think George Lucas is going to do it at this point, but no, no, they're going to bring him back. I read happen. it on Reddit. <laughs> well, if you read it on Reddit, then it's definitely true. Exactly. <laughs> so, but yeah, those are our, those are our responses, and I want to thank both of you very much. Like those were great responses. Yeah, they gave us a lot of meat to chew on. Thank you very much, both uh, Chris and Joanna. Yes, both great people, and you should follow them on Twitter.com. Twitter.com. So yeah, why don't we uh, why don't we get into a little bit of your Star Wars history, Fletch? I have come at this series in a lot of weird and disparate ways, and diving into this novel and this stuff reminded me that I knew way more about this than I thought. <laughs> I feel like I feel like that's just generally true of people. Is that like through cultural osmosis, they know way more about Star Wars than they think they do. Well, there's there's culture osmosis, and then I'm just going to try and timeline this out as best I can recall it. Yeah, sure. I have always loved picking up different art books and making of and whatever. I've said, I love behind-the-scenes stuff. If you give me a big novel about Hollywood backroom dealings and shit, I'm sold. Nonfiction is my jam. So, in my teens i would have found one of the first the art of star wars collections because there Mm -hmm. were no movies at the time dark horse was pretty much the one doing all of the work on the series i mean there were a few games and things you had your ties fighter so on but most of the stuff was comic books and a few novels and i got a cheap volume I think it was two or three of the art of star Wars and inside it, they're showing, you know, here's the raw cover art, some different panel spreads, so on. But each one is summed up with, Hey, this is what this is. So, you know, this was the cover of a novel. And one thing that stuck with me is I believe the storyline was called dark empire. Ring you a bell? Yes, it does. And I have that right that that's the one where there's a clone of the Emperor, Luke tries to deal with it, and falls to the dark side. Uh, that is correct. Okay, cool. So I actually do remember all that after all these years. <laughs> and it's one of the first things that really deals with Leia being Force-sensitive and her powers having to try and bring him back to the light side. So that's where that ends. It's it's a little cycly. yeah, yeah, we're not going to actually make Luke a Sith Lord, but... Uh, It's part of what develops his character from then on is, yeah, he had that fall and knows the pull, but it also was just one of those things. And I 
recall somewhere around this time I read, hey, this is going to be a shock, Tales of the Bounty Hunters, the most popular Star Wars book by about 20 miles at the time. (laughs) So that was weird, and I'll stay light on that in case you ever do an episode, which is almost guaranteed. Uh, in, In fact, it is not next month's episode, but the month after's. Even better. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna look forward to revisiting that and going, what the hell was I thinking as a kid? Because I, at least one of those stories I remember going, what, to? Uh, I think you know the one. Uh, yeah, I believe I do. (laughs) Yeah. The most fan fiction-y bullshit. Anyway. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So, that happens. I did not touch... The games, for the most part. I did Yoda's Desktop Adventures. That was it. Okay, yeah, sure. And, but yeah, all these shooters are happening, etc. And so... Then there were prequels. And... I have said this a few places before. I will always be fond of Episode 1 for it being the first time I had any real hanky-panky in a theater. Didn't remember <laughs> a lot of the pod racing scene afterwards, but hey, it was cool. Um, episode two did not win me over, and I was thinking of skipping the third or catching it on video or something until a buddy of mine buys the novelization of Revenge of the Sith, which came out before the film, and goes, holy shit, this is good, you should read it. So he loans it to me, and I'm like, holy shit, this is good, this is an order of magnitude above what came before, and... I went with him to opening night, and both of us got about a scene in before realizing, wait, none of the Dooku flashback is here. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, um, after, because I've I've been doing prep for next month with the uh, Revenge of the Sith thing, uh, I read the book again, and uh, then I, (laughs) I watched the movie again, and it is like whiplash, like going from the book to the movie, like just how breakneck the like the speed of the movie is compared to the book it's night and day because the author is going out of the way to try and flesh things out and explain why someone feels x way or is doing z thing and meanwhile in the film it's just like battle scene battle scene love theme battle scene So, yeah, after that, I was off of Star Wars for a bit because, you know, most of the games were FPSs, and mm-hmm. somewhere in here... I mean, hey, man, there was Empire at War. That game was pretty fun. That's true. There were the strategy games, and I would be crapping on things if I did not mention that, yeah, I was aware of them, even if I sucked at strategy at the time. RTSs are my bane. And I think there was one RTS, one turn-based... I forget which. Yeah, was I can't which. remember what the what the the dichotomy was, but yeah, there's there was the Empire at War. There was uh, it was Battlefield or Battlefront or some name they've reused. Yeah, Battlefront since. was the FPS. Well, no, Gosh, I the, can't remember at the anyway. time. Yeah, they they've reused a couple of names as the license changed hands. Yes. Anyway, um, so that happens, and then Knights of the Old Republic happens. And Knights of the Old Republic 1 was the game that made me go, alright, I'm done with Bioware. Because the combat was miserable, the game scaling was 
kind of a mess, and more than a few events and plot lines just made me go, oh my god, I want to be doing anything but this. Yes, I know, you introduced <laughs> pod racing, shut up. Yeah, it's it's funny that you it's funny that you felt that strongly about it because I feel the other way about it in that Knights of the Old Republic is like my only the only Bioware game I really like. Or the only I guess the only modern Bioware game I really like. I would eventually come around on Mass Effect, which I think took a lot of the stuff but didn't have to be constrained by the licensors. Yes. Because there's definitely some thumbprints of all right, no, we can't do this, we can't do that in that game. I'm not going to place all the blame on Bioware, you made a terrible game. It's, there's some issues around the edges. But, someone eventually convinced me to try Knights of the Old Republic 2, and that was probably my favorite Star Wars thing, period. Mm -hmm. Because I enjoy that it decided, let's look at a character who years before anything else would go, maybe the Jedi Sith thing is really stupid. Maybe having video game morality and character morality just be kick the puppy, feed the orphan is dumb as hell. Maybe we can do nuance. <laughs> yeah. For and sure. I love it. It's great. It's pro like I say, it's one of the only things that has ever gone that in depth and had the balls to say, maybe this whole two sides thing is dumb and fleshed its argument out in more ways than just, but what if a Jedi used Sith powers? So I'm not going to go into the full thing on that because that's, there's a whole lot there to unpack. And if I start rushing through it, it's going to just make me sound like a ninny, but <laughs> that was definitely my favorite somewhere in there. The Clone Wars cartoon happened, and that was that was good. I saw the original Tartakovsky shorts. That's the only thing I think I saw of the other... I'm trying to think. And then there's the novels, where we mentioned on the last one. Uh, somehow I ended up with a copy of one of the middle novels of this series, Balance Point. Yeah, which is like, what, the sixth we decided it was? Sixth or seventh, yeah. It's not fully halfway, but... It's far enough in that they expect you to know who the Vong are, who the surviving characters are, what's this new person. And I don't know if I finished it, but I remember I got through the first bits and there's a Jedi being pursued by Vong agents on a planet. And it's just, I can't force push them, but I can fling rocks at them. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> I need to, I'm just going to put this down because I don't know anything that's going on. And they're pulling out magical technology that's also made of face masks. And it was completely baffling and made no effort to lead you in. And not knowing that it was part of a giant cycle, I did not go back to it. Yeah. Until now. So, there was that. And I think that's most of the sweep of my arc with it, other than... The Old Republic is probably one of the worst gaming experiences I have ever had. And was really? saved what, solely let's by... Let's get into that a little bit. Yeah. So, I had a friend who was very into this. I, I still have a friend who's very into this, but... Yes. She plays it and I don't. And... She went, Hey, they've made it free to play. 
Uh, I'm I'm really fond of this. You should play along with me. I'll start an alt. We can just play together. But what I did not realize was she was a subscriber, and I was playing. Oh uh, yes, and this was character. after the free to play uh, thing happened. Then the Old Republic is one of the most hateful games I've ever played. If you don't give them money, really? Okay. Like, let me just break down some of where this goes, because I'm not even going to get into the story bits of this, but mechanically, most free-to-play games, or the good ones at least, there are definitely exceptions to this rule, will go with, here is a baseline, but it can be better if you pay us. Yes. The Old Republic, especially after it transitioned to -to free-to-play, was very much, we made a base game... We ripped out all the shit for you cheapskates. You could not run for multiple levels. Like, you were penalized. Yeah, you know, I, I had heard this before, actually. This is, this is a real thing. You could not run for multiple levels if you were a free player. You had a, like, they raised the level you had to be at to get certain skills. You couldn't get a mount for about five levels below a paying player. So as this goes on, we played about two and a half planets. And over time, she's getting more XP than me because, of course, they nerfed that for free people. Yeah, so the game is grindy. like some sort of XP booster thing. Yeah. She can move faster, so she's getting (laughs) to things before I do, and I have to haul ass slowly. Which has to be increasingly, like, incredibly frustrating for both of you. Like... For her, like, she's waiting around for you to, get, to catch up. And for you, it's like, I dog, I just can't keep up with you. Yeah, but she's already in this world. She loves this, so she doesn't give a shit about that. It's just dragging me along for the ride. And mm-hmm. multiple ways, it's like, hey, uh, there's there was some breaking point. And I think it had to do with ships. Like, she could actually do... Something with them that I couldn't. I just had this crappy boat that was just empty and had no companions on it. And my sole joy in playing that game at the time was that she was a very lore-heavy, I'm into this, I love this universe, whatever. And I chose to play a Sith Inquisitor. Okay. But make every single light side choice possible. (laughs) So you were trolling your friend while you are playing this game? At first I was, but the best part is, the game is written around every character reacting to this. Like, what are you doing? Because Sith cutscenes are things like, well, one of the other people at the Academy is trying to kill you, or you're in on a conspiracy to stop someone or take their place. And then you're making the light side decisions while someone's getting tortured in the background, and your masters are like... What the fuck is this? And so this keeps up and she's getting just as irritated with it the whole time. But I'm actually starting to be really amused by some of these scenes. If someone could show me a good light side only Sith run just so I can see the rest of how that would have played out, that would be glorious. Please point me to that. I may look for that later. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure there's something on YouTube somewhere, right? Because it's. The game basically goes, what are you doing? Why are you this class? Wouldn't you like to be a Jedi? 
<laughs> and your your masters all hate you. The people you're saving in some cases are like, what the fuck is this? Nobody knows how to handle a light side Sith in that universe. Because you're very yeah. clearly walking around with, like, black robes, sunken eyes and everything. I made a dude named Darth Tubbs who was as fat as could be. Oh, good. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that somebody else does things like this. Yeah. And so just... It was the strangest thing, but somebody made this actual route that's just like, what do you mean Star Wars has canon? And I loved it. <laughs> the problem yeah, is I mean, playing like, was it, miserable. At some point, you have to like wonder like what they were even thinking like to even like write that, that storyline. And the big issue is, The Old Republic is probably a game I would have enjoyed as a single-player title rather than an ongoing subscription where I have to pay for quality of life. And, you know, I've heard I've heard that from multiple people, that, like, if it was just Knights of the Old Republic 3, it would have been a way better video game. Yeah, if you had given me, you know, maybe trim down the size, because holy shit, some of those later worlds are definitely padded to really rub in the travel time thing. But if you had just given me something pad- crawled down and I could explore around and find stat-boosting Datacrons and lore and whatever. Yeah, that would have been great. That would have been a great single-player game. And maybe wouldn't have had a lot of the horrible PR debacles of the final planet, of the final Mm -hmm. game. Who else remembers Hunt for the Gay Planet? I remember that. Oh my god, I I actually don't remember that. (laughs) Oh, you don't? No, please tell me. So, the game... It has a very rough launch. People were starting to go, oh god, this might be like cratering based on its early sales and what was estimated to be the budget. Yeah. And it goes free to play. And I think it went free to play before the first expansion because free to play is what turned that game around and got a lot more people in, etc. And so they announced the first planet and part of what characters have been griping about is, hey, this is a Bioware game, but there's no same-sex companions or romance or anything. Mm -hmm. So the new expansion is going to have one extra area and some storyline content and things, but there will be queer people on this planet. And it, it was such a backlash of optics. It's like, you're making us pay for this. And it just became Hunt for the Gay Planet was a meme going around where it's like, yeah, we just, we found all the gays. They're over here. (laughs) They're all on this one planet. They settled a resort somewhere. Cool. Great. Awesome. Yeah, it did not go well in a lot of people's eyes. So that was a thing that amused the hell out of me in a dark sort of way. Yeah. For what it's worth, I, I hear the actual story content has gotten better, but... At this point, I've also been told what it did to KOTOR 2's story, and fuck you. Yeah, because that's that's another thing that I hear all the time, is that, like, hey, there are these certain storylines in this game that are just, like, absolutely great. Like, uh, what is it, the, I always hear the Imperial Agent storyline is great. And I, I've uh, got a bit I think, about that in a minute, yeah. Okay, yeah, I was say, because I think Chris and I talked about that last month, actually. You did. Um, but but yeah, you were, yeah, you were saying... Oh, I was just talking, I was just going to go into uh, how I heard that that was great. But if you have a story about it, Um, please continue. So, a different pal of mine was in the betas for this. Because she plays every MMO ever. Like, she will just pay for other games with the farming she does in EVE and trade them for credit cards for other titles. Okay. 
she has a problem, but hey, it it's, works that, for her. I mean, hey, if it, if that's how she can get video games for on the cheap, like pretty more much. power to her. But I remember her telling me about an early version of Old Republic, and she said the Imperial Agent storyline was drastically... Like, clearly some writer on that was either really deserving of a promotion or just everyone went in differently on it. Because you can do things like you... That one plays light side or dark despite being Imperial. You are basically, in the end, not light or dark, but you are trying to save the Empire, whatever the means necessary, because that's your job. That's who your boss is. And one of the things is, in the end, you break away and become sort of a rogue James Bond fixer type character. Okay. And what happened in the beta was, you know, it's an MMO, so you have titles above your head. So-and-so Darth Tubbs, or... Yes. Slayer. <laughs> One thing they did with that was when you finish the agent storyline, it removed all titles. You are not someone's puppet anymore. You are just you now. And they said people were furious about this because it meant they couldn't display whatever sick, nasty new achievement they'd And so they removed it for the final product. So that was no longer an option in the final game yeah at least when it launched you could not do that i don't know if it has been added back in or anything but they had this whole thematic thing and backed it up and then decided uh no no people don't like this because it's not mmo enough yeah so i i love that, that story that doesn't sound great but that also kind of sums up the entirety of the old republic to me People like this, but it's not MMO-y enough. <laughs> Which, I mean, it kind of seems like, it, you, since it was built off of the backbone of, like, a Bioware RPG, like, why would it be MMO-y? Yeah, and that's that's the thing. It's a game that seems to have eventually found its niche, but it pushes me away by being way too hostile to people who aren't into MMOs as a general thing, and... It seems to push away other people because it's like, God, I had all this talking and why is everything voice acted and just shut up and let me raid. Yeah. I got yeah, yelled I mean, at. It sounds like it's of... sounds like it's less hostile to people who aren't super into MMOs and more hostile to people that don't pay them for it. Yeah. And I have been told by said friend, no, no, they lessen some of that, but I'm never going <laughs> back because Darth Tubbs is a character who is stuck in the void now. Yeah, I mean, once once you've been betrayed by a video game once, like, why would you give them another chance? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, that was that was a story with that game. Oof. <laughs> and, you know, give it a try. It's free. See yeah, what I... tickles your fancy. Maybe throw down five bucks, because I think they're one of those games that has a slightly promoted tier that's less hostile okay yeah I, I feel like it's something that like i should probably play at some point uh just because as look like i as the gatekeeper of star wars knowledge which i obviously am at this point huh like i can't not consume a star wars a piece of star wars media right fair enough yeah <laughs> it's i feel you would probably get I wasn't more serious out of it about the, being the gatekeeper by the way well i figured but i wasn't gonna stop you <laughs> i just i, I just want the, the listeners to know i ain't the key master so, 
Yeah, there was that, and I think that's been... I haven't really touched any of the new titles. Um, okay. I'm, I'm aware the Force Unleashed happened. Yeah, and those those were uh, those were some video games, that's for sure. Yep. I will say that the first Force Unleashed, uh, I picked it up on the Wii. Um, oh, no. Because that was the... That was the console that I had at the time, and it was actually it's it's not a good video game, but it was kind of fun to like like in in that hey I'm gonna play as Link and swing a sword around like it was that oh, but that's with Star right. Wars you, yeah that's right? right you had the yeah the whole different controls on that one because it wasn't yeah the like you version. you actually swung the Wii remote around as a lightsaber which listen like that's all I've ever wanted to do like, no, I get that. <laughs> My 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 deepest fantasy is that one day lightsabers ex- actually exist. That means you didn't get the worst quick time event in history at the end of that game, did you? Uh, I guess I guess not. I don't remember what it is. So I think it's the first one that ends with you pulling a star destroyer out of the sky. Yes, it is. Um, Slowly, which painfully. is hilarious because like this dude is like the the character Star Killer or whatever is supposed to be like vader's secret apprentice or whatever yeah um that is something that luke does in the expanded universe i don't remember what book it's in but he definitely pulls the engine out of a star destroyer at one point oh no no this isn't that this is he pulls the ship out of the sky cool (laughs) but the problem is it's the most awful and tedious hammering of a key over and over and you're being attacked while this happens so every once in a while you have to stop it's trying to reassert itself and clear out these mooks around you and then start going back to it. Oh, great! Yeah, that sounds that sounds terrible. Uh, and the other the other thing about the Wii version is that in the uh, in the PS three three sixty and PC versions of the game, uh, Star Killer held his lightsaber in like a reverse grip all the time, mm-hmm. uh, and he doesn't do that in the Wii version, and that is not as cool. Yeah, that was like the one unique thing about that game is that he held his lightsaber in a reverse grip. Yeah, Wii Motion Controls did a lot to mess with the handedness of characters. Yes, they did. I'm still salty that Link is right-handed now. That's what you got for believing in the Wii. <laughs> that machine was a Just Dance and Rabbids platform for me. It was a... Uh, I mean, this. I don't, I don't know if this is necessarily the place to complain about the, the Nintendo Wii, but that system has some issues, that's for sure. Yep. All right, I think that's the last of any Star Um, I saw Force Awakens, I okay. saw Rogue One, they happened. Yeah. I was not They're, huge on they, either. They sure are Star Wars movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I basically am only going to see them because my wife fucking loves that. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your wife Hi, for honey. loving Star Wars. So yeah, uh, I will end up at The Last Jedi, but I didn't even watch the trailer for two weeks until she went, so what do you think of it? And I went, oh god, I have to do this. <laughs> it's like, well, I guess now I have to actually pull this up. Yep. Meanwhile, yeah, I'm going so. to be at the f- next Transformers movie day one. <sighs> you mean the Transformers movie with the three hour runtime? <laughs> yes, I'm going to go see... I couldn't believe it when you showed me that. that I'm just going like to go see Anthony my brain. Hopkins as the gatekeeper of the church's Transformers knowledge. Yeah, isn't he basically just, like, his character from Westworld in that movie? Uh, he's a secret Templar for the Church who knows about oh, okay. the history of Transformers on Earth. Yeah, so so more or less, yes. Yeah, I, I dig it. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, that's Transformers Talk. That's our, our new segment. 
I do that a lot, yeah. <laughs> Just every, every podcast that Fletch is on turns into a Transformers podcast at some point. It could be worse. The one that's coming out later this week uh, turns into a Neptunia podcast because of me. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. no. That poor podcast. <laughs> yup. So, yeah, why don't, we, uh, why don't we wrap up a little bit? Absolutely. What will the people be reading next month, Brian? Uh, the people will be reading Revenge of the Sith, uh, the novelization by Matthew Stover, and as I repeat over and over, my favorite Star Wars book, uh, and, like, please, 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 please read this book. Like, it is outstanding. I actually plan to and will send you some feedback. Yes, and I, yeah, um, that, that, I guess that's another thing, is that uh, I can't push out the feedback for this, for this next upcoming uh, book, so please get your feedback in, like, on time this time. All right. <laughs> so yeah, and uh, after that is Tales of the Bounty Hunters, uh, as we previously discussed earlier in this episode. Which, yeah, I'll save some notes for that one too, because my god. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to your, uh, to your opinions on that story, for sure. Oh yeah. So yeah, so uh, why don't you tell the fine people on that are listening to the podcast where they can find you on the internet. I can be found at BustRider on Twitter and at the domain healthscaper.com, which is a blog about of various things I enjoy writing and talking about. Yeah. As you can so see, please, that's a lot of things. Yeah, please please check that out and follow Flesh on Twitter. And uh, then I guess for me, uh, you can find me on Twitter at WadeBrianR. Uh, you can find the podcast on Twitter at LukeCast. That's Luke with eight U's. Uh, or you can just go to the website, which is expandeduniverse.online, and you can find everything there. Uh, I want to thank DJ AG for the use of our theme song, which is a remix of John Williams' Binary Sunset. You can find him on soundcloud.com slash DJAG-4. And I think on that note, there's just one final thing to say. May the Force be with you, Brian. May the Force be with you, Fletch. 